Yay, we get to hear the music now. <clears throat> We've had away games the last few weeks. I forgot all about we that have. song. Nah, it's great. Well, that's because you don't listen to the fucking episode afterwards, dick. I'm really <laughs> glad you can't tell where I spliced it. Cause oh, I can tell. I can too, because I know where I did it. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> but can't it, sounds, tell. <laughs> it sounds really good. It sounds very... Uh, they just all have short introductions, and so... Yeah. I had to make it a little longer. So that's Falk Hogan for those of you that don't listen to this podcast or this is your first time listening to it. That's uh, some bits from one of their songs. And they're local. They are a local band that uh, we like to talk about. Nick Passy, one of the uh, members of the band. I can't hear anymore. That's because we don't like you. No. Hold on. Let me... Uh... Are you... Your micro... Your, your microphone? Oh, your go. earphones? No. No, I can't. Yep. Oh, no. We have some new equipment, so we're testing it out today. And apparently Bree's headphones are not working, so... Hey, oh. hey, hey, okay. Just remove the splitter out of there and not... All fixed. I, I don't know that that splitter's in great condition. I just found it in the drawer of things. I think that's what we got. I make you a sticker that says the drawer of things. That's pretty much what it is. It's like my own personal office junk drawer. I need to go through it, but uh, I don't have any fucking time right now. Like, I'm honestly, I shouldn't probably be doing this podcast right now. Because all the white tents are going up around the valley and around the country. Uh, the tents are already up. If they're not up, they're not going up. The shipments are there. Got a bunch of iPads sitting inside of crates with a fuck ton of fireworks. And they all open on Thursday. Can that be the name of this episode? Fuck ton of fireworks. <laughs> I'm going to write that down. Fuck ton of fireworks. You know, I hesitate to put fuck. I know. Um, <clears throat> just True. Searchable terms. Yeah, people don't put a, if I yeah. <laughs> put that in Google and see what comes up. All right, hold no, on. let's not. I don't need a vi- We don't need viruses. <laughs> viruses. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I probably. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I probably should still be at work myself, honestly. We're gonna put that. In but I left. Fuck fireworks, some? military Reddit. <laughs> oh, the That's San awesome. Diego fireworks, 2012. Oh, no, was that the one that exploded? La- yeah, loud and up close, no, I think. No, that's. I don't think that's the one. Remember when the barges blew up? Uh, yeah. The, the what? Bay? The barges. So they had, no. they had all their fireworks out on barges all across the bay, and they all, like there was an error in the software, and everything ignited at once. So it was like seven seconds of a giant white fireball, and then nothing. Like the entire display was just ruined. That is pure It's like my favorite episode of Malcolm in the Middle where they buy that bomb and they're standing out there in the field at night and it's pitch black and it goes up. And then for a brief second, it's day. And you can tell what they did is went back and filmed it during the day and just spliced that little three seconds in. But it's funny. And then the whole rest of the episode, they're blind. Oh, Jess, look. Look, I found one for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, look up Fuck Ton of Fireworks. And see it really you next is. Tuesday in Fireworks, Ow, Sparklers. What the fuck's going on here? Yeah, so that's uh, that's funny. That's, you one? should share that with my friend Philip, and that's pretty much amazing. Okay, I'm going to send this to you. I'm gonna save okay. this. <laughs> Perfect. Usually, it's the other way around. I'll, I'll send it to you. I haven't later. seen that one, though, but I'm definitely going to send that to Philip. That's awesome. It's a, yeah. definitely, well, he's, is he uh, in the U.S.? He is, okay, yeah. So he, he'll lives, he lives in San Francisco now. So, so he'll appreciate yeah. cunt spelled out in uh, fireworks. In fireworks. Sparklers. Sparklers, Sparklers specifically. Sure. Four people, each a letter. Oh, that was great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's four of us in this family, and we all like sparklers. Well, let's do it. Yeah. We just don't have anybody to take the picture. We got lots of I, words I'm a good picture spell. taker. Let's there you go. Let's ask Don to take them. 
Yes. Please make that happen. Yeah, but then you need someone recording it while you're doing it to get his reaction while filming it. <laughs> uh, I don't know that he'll care, honestly. He'll probably think it's funny. Partially. Yeah. Anyway. Um, episode 56. Yeah. Uh, the new Utah podcast, episode 56. Um, we don't introduce ourselves very often. Uh, maybe we should do that once in a while. We, we should, should because do we do get new. We do, we do get new listeners, and God, I found I that out so. this weekend. So I really hope so. Yeah. So uh, we'll go around the room. Um, uh, to my left. Stage left? Yeah, stage left is uh, is Jeremy. Hello, I'm Jeremy. <laughs> he had a thing about it. There's no stage. Jeremy is our urban farmer. Yeah, it um, took me a minute because we're not on a stage. He's got chickens, bees. Chickens, bees. A, a dog who eats peach pits. Uh, the dog. That was a horrible weekend we just had. Yeah. So that Thousands was, of dollars later, cute little dog. It's pretty gnarly. So for those of you that don't think pets are part of your family, you're fucking idiots. Um, <laughs> oh, they are. And especially when there's problems. Yeah. So when you have four kids in tears, uh, you, uh, you make do and figure yep. out and have... Expensive ICU and surgery visits to uh, get peach pits out of the intestinal tract of your dog. It was his stomach, right? Or did it go to his intestinal tract? Luckily, I say luckily, <clears throat> it was it was right at the opening of his intestines, but it was still mostly in his so stomach. So it's where the like stomach goes in, so it was blocking between the stomach and the intestines. Yeah. So luckily, once again, I say that luckily, they were able to just open up his stomach and get right to it. They didn't have to. Uh, see, that's way easier surgery to recover from, too, than them having yeah. to actually go into the bowels and yeah. stuff Yeah, he's out. still got the cone of shame, but he's doing better. Well, he definitely <laughs> needs it, because he seems like the kind of dog that would just lick and lick and lick oh, yeah. the scar. To no end. So, so no, he's doing much better after our Horrific Father's Day weekend of all weekends. I Which spent. can I tell you? I don't know how dachshunds like lick their chests. How do they do it? They roll up like a. They're like potato bugs. Like potato bug. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. What about really fat ones? I mean, they just kind of nope, have to like. Still, they're like fat potato, fat potato bugs. bugs. He just has to put his tongue down. Really, they're like armadillos. The eight <laughs> sectioned armadillos. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Nine, right? Oh, is it nine, nine sections? Nine, nine sections. are the ones. I thought no. I thought it was the three sectioned ones that rolled up. No, the nine can. No, roll I think you're wrong. I think you have popcorn Raven. all over yourself. Yeah. No. So for those of you that want to know, just listen to last week's episode where Raven talks about armadillos. Um, that woman that is trying to tell me I'm wrong because uh, I think that's her goal on this podcast. That's her job. It really is. Someone has to do I'm that. your wife. That is my job. That is my wife, Bree. Uh, <laughs> Bree is a uh, insurance agent. <laughs> Bree's a Utah native. She's lived here her whole life. Uh, she's lived in Kearns, which, by the way, I'm not calling West Stabbington anymore. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty. She's Thanks, babe. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I got lots I could say about her, but I don't have all that time because we got to keep going. Next time. Yeah. And then, something each week. Oh. The three-banded armadillo is Holy able to shit. roll up. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> when you Sorry. yell, you just Sorry. pull the mic away a little bit. So it's the three banded that rolls up. Not the eight banded. No, it right, says well, contrary well. to popular belief, the nine banded armadillo could not roll itself nine up banded. into a it's ball three, and escape and predators. Jesus. Only one of 20 odd varieties of armadillos, the three banded armadillo, is able to roll up. Well, I just want to go on record of saying at least I paid enough attention to Raven last week that I remembered that it was an armadillo with multiple plates. I don't fucking care about <laughs> armadillos. <laughs> <laughs> um, I paid enough attention that Jess, I knew which one. Jess yes. is also here. Uh, Jess, do you get the I'm fuck here. about armadillos? Uh, I don't know enough about them to care. 
So zero How's fucks that for an given. answer? That's great. Zero fucks given. Except for Ravens, because this is going to be cool. Well, yeah, but that's not a real armadillo. That's like a pool toy. It's fucking a life size. A life size. Life size. No, gigantic. It's going to be amazing. And they've already so they started like working on it. They started building the frame for it this last week, and it's it's going to be awesome. Maybe we'll have to stop by and see it sometime. Oh uh, yeah, it's pretty freaking cool. He posted pictures of it today. It was either today or yesterday. Oh, I need to turn you it's up. Coming along. Oh, turn me up. Turn me up. Turn me on. But, we good? Uh, we good? Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that last part for your wife. Honestly. Okay. <clears throat> no, so, he posted pictures of it, and he's got the framework on. It's looking pretty cool. It still doesn't look like an armadillo. It kind of looks like a uh, dinosaur erector set, but it's, it's like coming. A skeleton, yeah. Yeah, it's coming. Well, that's how it goes. Um, yeah. So Jess uh, has lived here for most of her life. Most of it. She's spent some time in the East Coast and Yes, I have. Come back. She goes to She Scotland. was a Jersey girl for a while. No, fun, never. No. <laughs> fun fact about Jess, she collects scotch and doesn't drink. That is a super fun fact. She's a dick. <laughs> she's also possibly. A, she's yeah. also a mini urban farmer. But this this is the thing. She collects scotch but doesn't let anyone else drink her scotch either. <laughs> it's an investment in the future. Well, it's a collection. How do you collect it if you let people drink it? Speaking of collections, I, did I talk about it last week? I don't remember. I sold mine. Oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Well, you told us. I don't know if you said so on the air. You, but slight, you, you briefly told us. Not my, not my collection of scotch. Those are all open and worth nothing. Except <laughs> 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 for the pleasure that they give you as you drink them. Uh, so I, I sold. I'm Chris, by the way, your host. Uh, and the hostess with the mostest guy that tries to fix volume levels, which is difficult uh, at times. Uh, no, I sold my uh, magic card collection, and by that I mean I sold about. 2% of the cards that were actually worth good money. Um, Which by 2%, we're talking, what, 2,500 cards? Uh, about 2,100, 2,200, somewhere in there. It's a lot of cards. It is. It is expensive to ship, um, but worth it based on how much money I made on them. It's a lot of weight. So uh, I, I actually made, well, honestly, it's not the weight. It's the uh, the insurance that I put on them because when you ship something worth that much, you want insurance in case uh, FedEx fucks them up because they're cards. Yeah. Somebody so. leaves them out in the rain. And rain, yeah. And Runs over them with the truck. Lots of protection, but like I've gotten packages that are pretty fucked up, and I think cards would not survive that, so I paid for the insurance. Um, anyway, made some, some decent money, which I get to put back into That's my car. sweet moolah. Because, so. yeah, because his car was, like, exploding So, apparently, I didn't do a good enough job with the uh, the valve cover. I don't think I sealed it correctly, or the gasket that was on it was warped, and I was spraying oil all over the inside of my engine. Oh, dear. On the back of the engine block. Oh, no. I pulled so. into the garage on Thursday night when he games, and so, you know, his car's not in there, and I'm like, holy shit. And there was, like, an oil slick in the garage. It's probably, <laughs> like, two or three feet around. It was about a quarter. Diameter. I lost about a quarter of oil, probably. I, I sent him a picture. Uh, is this normal? Is this from your car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was kind of pissed off, but I got it all fixed. Got new brakes, got an oil change, obviously, uh, with all of it. Uh, it's not much of an oil cover. change when there's not many, much oil in it. Well, there was, I mean, there was still enough in it, but they, they were like, uh, there's so much oil on the back of this engine that we can't really tell where the leak's coming from, other than for sure it's coming from the valve cover. So we're going to change the oil, do the valve cover, and put a dye in it. So if it does continue to leak, so I got to keep an eye on it. Um, then we can at least see where the leak's coming from because we're putting the dye in. So, As opposed to Cassie's car that got an oil change just because she let all the oil run out of it. 
Seriously. Because uh, there's not an app for that. Okay. Actually, I bet, I bet you there is an app for that. There probably is. I don't know. Like, the thing is, is like cars nowadays, like my car, Breeze car, tells us when it's time to change our oil. We can see an oil life percentage. And it's estimated, but the car's pretty good at identifying how many miles you've driven. Well, and the oil. dealership will even like chastise you if you try and take it in early. And I know this firsthand because this is my first car that had that. And I took it in because I'm like, hey, it's at the mileage. And they're like, hey, your oil life is still just fine, but we'll change it. But yeah, don't bring it because, in again. Well, when you use full synthetic oil and in a lot of the newer cars, especially in a new car period, the oil doesn't get as dirty. Right. It takes Instead a of lot three longer. to five, now you have 10,000 miles. Yeah. I mean, my, my car legit is probably every 10,000 miles mm-hmm. for an oil change, which is awesome because it's a lot more expensive because I use full synthetic. <laughs> I have to use full synthetic and high, high mileage. Yeah. For all of my old vehicles. So anyway, uh, enough about me uh, and my. Uh, shitty, shitty. Which, by the way, my truck got a tent job thanks to uh, Volkswagen Southtown. Oh, yeah. Looks amazing. I saw that. It does look nice. Yeah. Now all you got to do is deliver porn and socks to Jess. She's still waiting, people. No, no. I'm talking about you specifically. Oh, me specifically. You're going to have to do it. (laughs) Walk in with a hustler. Really? No. Do the hustler. I made uh, made Brie... uh, Probably my style. That makes me think. I made Brie watch Magnolia for the first time this weekend. Oh, a tough movie to watch. It's it's a fucking weird movie. I yeah. love it. I love it. So I own it. But uh, it's 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 out there. There's parts of it that are out there for sure. But when the guy calls the like food delivery service and he's like, "You got uh, you got any Playboys? <laughs> what about Hustler? You got Hustler? What about Penthouse? Yeah, she's like, do you still want the bread and the peanut butter? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, of course I still want those. A tough movie to watch was No No Country for Old Men. Still haven't yeah. seen that. Love that movie. That was disturbing. It's a good movie. It's That's a really movie. good movie. The coin flip is fantastic. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Um, but what? I love the Coen Brothers, so I don't I don't know they've done anything that I really hated. Right? Like one of my favorites of all time is still Raising Arizona. It was like the last good movie that Nicolas Cage did. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. He's done some other good stuff. Uncle Nicky? But uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of Coen Brothers Fargo, you guys watch that? I don't know. No. On FX. It's, oh my god, it's so good. It's so funny. It's awesome. I love the movie. Or I love the movie, but the show is fantastic too. So. Um, and they have Ewan, Ewan McGregor this season, right? Yeah, he plays. He plays, he plays two, two people. He plays himself, and he plays his brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really, it's really good. It's it's been a, a great show. Um, but enough about uh, enough about shows. Um, let's talk about Utah some because that's what we do. That's what like we're here for. Like events and stuff. We do oh, have yeah, events. Uh, stick around um, after probably after events, maybe after news. We'll see where we slot it in. Um, we do have uh, an interview with um, Aaron uh, Aaron Bryant. Bryant. I have his name written down like at the bottom here, and I was looking at the top. Um, but he is with a group called Inspiro Recovery that is opening a new uh, outpatient recovery facility. and um, An author and a fighter. Author, fighter. He's a cool dude. Yeah, really, really great conversation. We Very talk a lot about uh, addiction, recovery. We talk about homelessness. We talk a lot about homelessness in, in Utah and, and, you know, what we can do and what things are like and how we as a society can be less shitty. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's really worth listening to. Uh, he was really good to talk to. Um, but we have uh, events coming up, right? 
Whoa. Can we have a lot of And that. there was much okay. rejoicing. But but let me Yay. let me first say, let me apologize to everyone. We didn't talk about Westfest. West no, so here's the thing, and that was a conscious decision. Honestly, I didn't know that everybody would want me to list off every single city event for the next month. I just kind of figured it was a given, so that's my fault. I apologize. So, nah. so a lot of the cities, some of the cities do shit events that are just kind of crap. West Valley pumps a lot of money into West Fest. They have so a does Taylor. Huge well, West Taylor's Jordan does, too. South Jordan does. Mm, have you been to them? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so our girls go to them, but but so West Fest is huge. Um, but I like to say, I was telling Jess, you know, it's good that we didn't mention West Fest because it turns out that uh, West Valley. We're, cl- we're glad we didn't tell you to go to this yeah, event. Kearns, it would have felt bad. Kearns is no longer West Stabbington. That title has gone to West Valley based on the three stabbings and two fights that broke out. That just reminds me of high school. Like That did not happen at our high school. No, at West Fest when we were in high school. It did? Yes. Oh. Three stabbings and two, I and, and I haven't. Like I mean, they always have police presence there because you know it's it's ripe for problem anytime you have that many people gathered in an area. But it's like a, it's supposed to be like a fun, family friendly environment. Carnival, yeah, carnival, freaking and carnival, and you get three different stabbings and two fights, like big fights, like everyone involved fights. So they up their they up their security details Saturday and Sunday. So the question uh, is, if you're a patron, do you stand and watch or do you turn and leave? Uh, I mean, it depends on what if I'm you've got the to kids do. with you. You leave. If you're alone, you stand and watch. See, no, because I no, I'm getting nothing out of that fight. Like if it's if if the fight looks interesting, like do when I was in, in high school <laughs> and I. I watched a little person beat the shit out of the school bully uh, in the commons in front of everyone. That's a fight I'll watch. But most fights I have no stake in. I'm like, I'll go try to break it up if I can. If knives and guns are involved, which in the case of West Valley, probably they are. It's like the jet on the shocks. When you're a jet, you're a jet to the end. And really, it depends. I'm going to stand there if I want to get to the uh, the corn dog guy that's on the other side yeah, of the Yeah, they're fight. fighting in front of the corn dogs. I'm going to be waiting for a while because I want a corn dog. Funnel cakes for me. Funnel cakes. Yeah, I'm not a big funnel cake person. But the Navajo tacos, I like the Navajo you tacos. You know, if it's just like the like the the scrambler ride that they're fighting in front of, man, I don't give a shit. I'll go to another ride. Gravitron, though. Yeah, I mean, Gravitron, if you're standing in line and a fight breaks out, you stay Tilt in line. You stay Hold in line. your place in line. <laughs> this is all Priorities, good. people. This is all good for me to know since I don't ever go to these little festival things. So, but, but we do have, it's 4th of July is coming up, but we have stuff coming up first this weekend. Tons um, of stuff. I, I hope you're ready. I have I a hope tiny your, wooden spoon. Your pens. <laughs> yes, yeah, from Bubble and Brown. I didn't even know that it was on there. That's so cool. It holds one kernel of popcorn. I'll have to tell <laughs> I'll have to tell Andrew. Maybe. <laughs> I feel like we could just turn that into a GIF file you doing. <laughs> Anyways. Uh there is so much going on the next 2 weeks, so I hope you're ready to be bombarded with events. Uh we should count to 3 and let everybody get a pen and paper. One. Two, three, okay, here she's going. So first and foremost, Utah there, Arts Festival starts this weekend. There's a rewind function on most podcasts. I'm kidding, dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> and we tag everything. So, uh, uh, yeah, Utah Arts Festival is down at Library Square, the 22nd to the 25th. Um, our good amigo Travis Tate is going to be there uh, because they do have a comedy stage, which is actually where I met him last he, year at this time. Is he performing or emceeing or both? I believe... <sighs> I don't remember what he said. He did both last year, um, so hopefully he'll be doing both again. 
Go support your local artists. There's a bunch yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, but there's, uh, this is an event that is not a lot of local artists. So don't plan on it being all local because it's not. There's people from all over the country. Imposters. Imposters. Does it cost to get in? Yeah. It's depending upon which day you go, it's either 10 or $12. Typically, they, they usually have a weekend pass too, right? Some years they've had a weekend pass, like a whatever. Perhaps. Yes. Green probably. band or whatever. And they, they have call like, it, so it's the, they have like VIP stuff yeah. and they have a, um, like a dinner or a, a, I'm sorry, it's a brunch and I don't remember if that's on Saturday or Sunday. Um, then the tw- let's see, let's do the 23rd. Uh, we talked about the Tim Cave Night Skies event that is run by the Utah Valley Astronomy Club and they are providing telescopes so if you want to go up to pine hollow trailhead they only do that three times a year so it's pretty cool and i believe that jupiter is out right now so you can see that uh the 25th uh wait rewind 24th melinda is doing an event at her shop time and place i drove past there tonight that's a cinder block yeah uh no not cinder blocks concrete 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 containers you know for like our air plants and things like that. And that is at one thirty. And then the 25th Big Shiny Robot, we talked about doing their nerd swap at the Bohemian Grill. Nerd swap is My so spoon has awesome. polka dots on it. Cute. So the nerd oh, swap... Yeah, I have to does. take that spoon away from you, Jeremy. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, the nerd swap is a place <laughs> where you just, can no, go just take... Just set that over there by the TV real quick. <laughs> where you guys can go take your... N- gently used uh, or or collectible nerd items that you want to uh, exchange or swap or sell. And, you can probably uh, find some pretty cool things. There's a lot of nerds in Utah. Yeah, so if you have like Funko Pops that you're looking for that are, are a little bit harder to find or you want to offload some You guys, they have heads. a Bob Ross Funko, Funko. and I'm going to buy it. Do they? Because it is amazing. Does he have happy trees? <laughs> he has everything. It's amazing. Um, anyways. No, he doesn't have life. He doesn't. He does not. <laughs> this weekend, um, we get to say that our good buddy Nick Passy is... So actually for the next two weekends, he's doing two shows in a day. He's he's like, my calendar looks like Swiss cheese. I was like, oh, perfect. And then he sent me all of his events. So on the 25th in the morning ish afternoon ish they're doing a party for jeff dylan who is who we went on tour with um and then at night at urban lounge which i'm hoping to be able to go to the show but he will be playing with reeve carney um if you've seen penny dreadful on showtime reeve carney plays dorian gray um and he's been touring for i don't know like the last six months or so and uh he i believe he also played spider-man on broadway um, so just have a musical background. He's really awesome. But Nick will be playing at that show. So go support him. Is and he, is he playing as himself or yeah. with one of his, yep. two, this is his own. Yep. Mr. Nick Passy, solo artist, acoustically. Who we've stuck some of his songs on the end of our shows. Cause he's cool like that. Mm-hmm. He's very cool. Uh, Taylorsville days. No stabbing there. No. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, that's all we get. <laughs> Hopefully not. You never know. Um, and then the I forgot to mention this uh, in the midst of all of our uh, farmer's market chat that Park City is doing a farmer's market. And um, it they do it at the Canyons. And it's on the 28th, which is Wednesday. And it's noon to 5. every. I believe it's every Wednesday. So, yeah, so if you don't have a normal job... Um, Right, like probably most people in Park City don't. So, I don't know. Uh, or you could go to Park City. Or you're you could a take a day, maybe, 
Take yeah. a day, go to Park City, go to the Park City Farmer's Market, then come down the canyon and go to Sugar House Farmer's Market to, at night. To be fair, I can't take a day right now. I'm glad that you said oh, housewife gosh. and not stay-at-home mom, because stay-at-home moms don't have time to go to Farmer's Market. Stay-at-home moms don't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let the hate mail come. Yes. I would never, Bring it on. I would Bring never be a stay-at-home mom. It is just too hard. So that's for this weekend. I'd be fucking bored out of my mind. Next weekend drags into the 4th of July, since the 4th of July is a Tuesday, so we want to make sure we're catching everything prior to that. Yeah, so RSL will have a home game. Do they do fireworks anymore? Yep. Oh, good. So actually, I'll I'll tell you a quick little aside to the fireworks story for RSL. So the first year, they had a fireworks game. They've they've had typically a game right around the 4th and the 24th every Mm -hmm. year. Last year, they did not have one around the 4th. Um, They were away, which was interesting. Um... Well, the first year they did it, they did fireworks after the game, but Sandy City, what? what? Sorry, I just burped. So oh, <laughs> I don't think anyone heard it. I didn't hear it. Good. Um, anyway, so Sandy City did not want to give them permits for aerials or, or, or fireworks because they didn't want people to go to that and not go to Sandy City's fireworks. Or like see that and not go to Sandy City's. And and I'm like, can you have too many fireworks? can you have both? Yeah, exactly. I just roll my eyes in the back of my head really hard. So, so yeah, well, <laughs> you can't I mean, have too many fireworks show. So yeah, so and my list right here is going to prove that. So the fireworks, so the fireworks were uh, on the field. They were fountains, and <laughs> it was, in the awesome. it, was uh-huh. it was fucking terrible. Like it the popcorn, so horrendous. And people are like, really? Like what kind of like fucking bees do a better display on a Wednesday night in fucking True. September? You know, they do random fireworks mm-hmm. games throughout the throughout the the season. Um, they rectified that. Oh, um, good. They, they, so this year they they basically said, you know what, fuck you, Sandy City. You can't deny us based off of that. And we're going to do what our, you know, we're basically going to do what we yeah, want. Yeah, so power of the fireworks. They do they do pretty good displays. I think they overcompensated with the next <laughs> display as a result. <laughs> um, but they do pretty good displays. You might still be able to get tickets. That's a game that actually usually sells out uh, early in the season. I that game. You might be able to see them from your house, the Jess. They overcompensated, so you might be able to uh, see it from your house. There's a hill in the way. Yeah, I don't. There's a big Camp mountain. Williams is in the yeah. way. <laughs> um, but you can, if you want to see those and you don't want to go to the game, you can actually go and just hang out in the open lawn in front of the stadium. We which used to is watch amazing. Them, we used to watch them from the Olive Garden. Yeah, and actually, so. the open lawn in front of the stadium is a better position than it inside is. the stadium. I mean, depending you, on where you're sitting. If you're in, in the, the game, they open up the field so that you can go down and lay on the field. But we don't go the down there cuz it's wet. I don't know if you know this about soccer people, but they water the lawn constantly. They have to. It's required. Anyway, uh so there's that fireworks display and then you've got a freaking giant list. Okay, but first like. we have to talk about Nick's shows cuz okay. Nick has two shows on the 30th. One at Moochie's. Moochie's. Which downtown. downtown. Yep, at 6 o'clock. Is it outdoors? I don't know. Like in the parking lot? I didn't ask. Like, how the fuck do you have a I show? I think there's a little back room. There a is. A very small back But room. it's little. He's just one person. It's <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you do a show ask there. Ask Nick. If Hopefully you want to know, Nick, if you're listening, tell us, please. Yeah. It would be really cool if it was out on their lawn. That, that would be, be cool. cool. So then at then at 8.45 in Murray, a crow and pitcher, he will also be doing another show. So get out and support him and... Because he's awesome. That's all. Um, so the first, I everybody knows I like to talk about events that are not common. And I was going through events and I saw this and I was like, this is totally cool. Uh, because I took a class when I lived back in New Jersey 
uh, in New York City. And so on the 1st of July, there is going to be a long sword for beginners class. Um, like how to use one or how to make one? No, how to use one, like fighting class. And I just, I think that's so cool. I, I had a lot of fun doing it. It's much harder than you imagine. And so... And if you want practice, just go to uh, Liberty Park or Memory Grove. Well, Jordan Hinckley, <laughs> one of my friends on Facebook that I know from way back when who works at the U, he totally does a sword fighting thing. Looks well, cool. and a long sword is different than a rapier. They all handle different. Oh, yeah. They're all different weights. So... You know, your basic fencing is... is It's not even a thing with long swords. Yeah, it's <laughs> you would fall over pretty much. Anyways, but we'll post the link to that. I just thought it was really cool um, and something really fun and unique. Um, and then all the festivals happen. Um, first of all, on the 4th at, in Pleasant Grove at the Grove Creek, Grove Creek Trail, excuse me, the largest flag is going to be unfurled between the canyons. Um, wow. Yeah, 600 feet above the canyon. Um, if you want to go see it unfurled, it's happening at 8 o'clock in the morning. On Are they the just going to like let it go? No, so they actually tie it between <laughs> the canyons. It's really, it, it's, I don't think this is the same flag they've done before. I think this one is actually bigger, but it's a really cool to see. 600 feet is freaking impressive. That's a huge size. Well, that's how, yeah. Anyway, that's so huge. it's, it's, it's huge. Wow. So, Chris, you wanted me to get you a list of city celebrations, some fireworks? So, we're a couple weeks out, and and, uh, I, you know, while I encourage you to go ahead and buy some fireworks, but you're probably going to fucking start a fire. But just from Phantom. Yeah, just from Phantom fireworks, but you're probably going to start a fire if you do. Um, But I, I really do encourage people, you know... Go to fireworks displays, especially if you have smaller kids. They're really going to like a professionally produced show. Um, get some get some sparklers for home that they can play with and then go watch fireworks. Yeah. Or sit on your roof anywhere in the valley and just look around. Yeah, but if you go to one of these actual shows, there's music. And uh, look, fireworks are cool. They're made way more cool if you have the loud explosion that you can kind of feel. So. Yes, for sure. We can see and feel the ones from Ochre. Are you so. ready? We're ready. Are Let's you go. Okay. Do so it. First, first of July, Stadium of Fire. It's huge. Stadium of Fire. Sidewalk of Fire. Who's performing? Do you know who's performing there? <laughs> yes. Is it the Osmonds? I just know. I totally the Osmonds with the big pearly white teeth. It's the one with the girl with the really like blonde curly hair. The growth? I can't remember her name. Blonde curly hair. It's a country band. Of course it is. Not the band Perry, but Shania something Twain? else like that. No, but. Okay, so funny story about that. No. Did you know the Dixie Chicks are from Magna, Utah? Yes. N- no, I didn't. But here this morning, I, I was listening to, to my satellite radio, and the song was on, and I was like, sounds like Justin Bieber, which I don't love at all. Sorry. And I looked down, and it was Shania Twain's new okay. song. So hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me Let me just take it back here. It sounded like Justin Bieber, who I don't love. You were listening to a satellite radio station that could possibly have played Justin Bieber or something. No, that it actually like was it. no, it actually was a talk radio station that does like a music program in the morning, and I was flipping through. So I don't just believe so you. you know. I don't <laughs> believe you. No, as it's Radio Andy, little you big, know, like Andy Cohen, little big oh, town. little big town, yeah, Hunter Hayes, huh. yeah, little I've never big heard town. Of those people. Anyways, so that is going to start off like the big celebrations. Of course, for you Taylorsville days is this weekend. Um, I don't know if there's, I didn't see any others. We just missed, I think Lehigh's is, might be this weekend too, because they were getting, they were putting flags up when I was a dermatologist oh. the other day. So, um, okay. Are you ready? Sugar House, Jordan Park, Park City, the B Stadium, 
Elton Park in Tooele, Magna, Murray, West Jordan Stampede, Kaysville, Clearfield, and Owls Game in Orem. Bam. Don't go to the Owls Game. Listen, if you want fireworks, see, she's got big blonde curly hair. I'm just saying, like, I don't, that baseball team has had some really But here's what I'm saying. There's no other fireworks in that area. And if you want fireworks on the 4th of July, guess what? You don't even have to go to the game. It's on the UVU campus. So you can technically sit on the outside. Yeah, that's true. So, and you got, uh, um. No. What? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> Fuck you. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> um, I, I suggest, I know a lot of people have like traditions where like their whole family meets up at Sugar House Park or something, and that's really cool. Um, but if you've been to one and, and you don't have a tradition, go to a different one. I've heard Murray's amazing. Murray's, Murray's I great. I would love to go to that one. So I, th- here's a little story about the Murray City Fireworks. Um, so it's at Murray Park, which is a gigantic park. Yes. Um, and really, anywhere in the park is a great place to see the fireworks. Um, but I had had Chopper for about two weeks. Aww. And uh, I took him there. And Bad you, idea. Are no, you no, no, stupid? No, no, no. He loved it. He, he loved it. He had a great time. Uh, there were little kids all over the place. Aww. And he tried to play with every little kid he saw. Because he loves little kids. Cute. But anyway, so. But now he's a, a dumbass. Yeah. He's not quite as stupid as Ebo, though. So, no, but he is afraid of fireworks. Oh, and that's another that, yeah, little I was just PSA. Say, Don't have your dogs outside. And also be considered of maybe veterans that are in your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, you might think that it's something really petty, um, but it's a really big deal. So. so my dad actually is one that has a really hard time with the 4th and the 24th. So we do our festivities during the day. And then during the evening, he goes down into the basement, turns on some movie and kind of just tries to block the whole thing out. Yeah, I have a friend yeah. that's the same way. So I, I keep our dogs in the house, not just because Chopper's scared shitless of explosions now, but um, it's just safer for them to, to be inside. Because they get startled. Even if, you, even if forever and ever your dog has been, oh, my dog is fine around fireworks, there's going to be something sometime, a spark that lands in your backyard. Well, that's, you got the rogue firework that shoots across the Jessica dreads at the porch on fire. Or, you know, I've had, <laughs> so in the last, like, since I, like the last five years, I've had my backyard lit on fire from my neighbors. I've had my front door hit by fireworks by my neighbors. And like when I say by fireworks, I mean an aerial pack that tipped over and shot. A we had one bolt. of our buildings, one of our condo buildings got hit like two years ago. Had I my, can't uh, be in my neighborhood when they do fireworks. My front window blown. Too close. And, and I'm telling you, my neighborhood. So uh, basically, as soon as they can light fireworks off which i think is seven days before the fourth so next tuesday it'll be going off it'll from then until the 24th seven i thought it was three before and three after i don't think so i think it's seven now and i'm telling you the day they can do it they start oh they've already started they go they go until like midnight to two in the morning Mm -hmm. and uh, they don't stop until after the 24th it's fucking insane and annoying as shit i hate fireworks but i'm biased (laughs) I love them, but I don't want them in my neighborhood because we all live too close together. <laughs> yeah, and fire is a real risk. I mean, we we talked about that last week. Um, still a lot of fires happening. We had another the one. Brian had one. is still uncontained, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these high winds like That was today, started by a weed torch, by the yeah, way. The, so it was, they were trying to do a controlled burn. And the high winds that we've had today, there's no way that's helping anyone. 
So it's a real, real danger. What do we have any other events? I mean, that's really it, right? It's just. Oh my gosh! Like, I just gave you so many. I know. I know. I, it's hard to like you know contain how many events there are, especially. Yeah, in two I mean, weeks. it really is. If, but, if you if you and if you guys are looking for something to do, just send Jess an email. She goes through tons and tons of stuff, or go on Facebook. It. Yeah. Um, if you have an event that you're hosting, let, let us, us know. know. We'll share it out. We, yeah. we like to do that stuff. Um, so yeah. With us today, we have uh, Aaron Bryant, who is the clinical director at Inspiro Recovery, or is it Inspiro Recovery? Inspiro Recovery. Inspiro Recovery. And what is Inspiro Recovery? Let's get that out of the way real quick. So Inspiro Recovery, so it's a, as of now, it's a outpatient treatment center that will be opening in approximately one month. Um, the, the two individuals that um, sort of had the vision for it um, are... Individuals in long-term recovery and also kind of have a long history of incarceration. Um, individuals that have turned their lives around and um, uh, they kind of do a lot of things in the, both the recovery community and they, they already kind of have an intervention business that they connect people with treatment resources and help people get the treatment that are in need. Um, so the, say the kind of ideology around the treatment is um, individuals that have uh, are in recovery, delivering um, treatment to individuals, other individuals that are, you know, struggling. Um, not necessarily everyone that will, will work there will be someone in recovery, but the the foundation is, is kind of from that um, core principle. Well, once in recovery, always in recovery, right? Right. So recovery from what? Uh, well, I get you know, for recovery from substance use issues. Um, once again, the majority of Individuals that work there have had a pretty significant hi criminal history of some sort or, um, like I said, the two um, kind of visionaries had both been spent a significant amount of time in prison, um, gang involvement earlier in their life, uh, involvement in the juvenile criminal justice system, and, and both of them found change through substance use disorder treatment and have really... Um, gone from from one side to the other completely and and really are are some of the kind of two champions in our you know local recovery mm -hmm. community and um both involved in helping people but also involved in legislation and, and kind of advocating for uh, criminal justice reform social change um in that kind of general arena excellent excellent so what I always start way ahead of of where we should. So <laughs> let's let's born. talk let's talk about you. Are are you a native Utah? Yeah, I was born in Taylorsville, Utah. So you grew up here and and have been here your whole life. Been here my whole life. Yep. So and and what at what point did you get involved with this organization? Uh, Inspiro Recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, really, only a couple of months ago. So I was working for the state of Utah. Um, and really just was looking for other avenues, um, a kind of a, of a greater role. I, I'd gotten a second master's degree in public administration and kind of had a role, uh, uh, goal of being involved at a kind of a higher level in community change, um, and was looking at a lot of places. None of it fell through and, um, was just kind of randomly contacted. Um, I didn't solicit interest. They solicit interest from me and, uh, one of the founders I know pretty well from the recovery community, and we um, we actually went to Washington, D.C. together a couple of years ago um, as delegates from Utah representing Utah for a national recovery event that 
kind of involve like a concert and um, lobbying uh, our national representatives regarding um, a couple specific substance use disorder bills. What, so, what substances? Uh, for me? Yeah, for the, no, for the bills. Well, the bill, one of the bills was, I'm trying to remember what that was called, but it was a bill that part of, part of it, like there was a mechanism in there that would assist individuals with significant criminal backgrounds to um, more easily get some of that relieved in order to, you know, re-enter the community or the job market, the housing market more easily because it's one of the larger barriers. Um, one of the other bills was called CARA, C-A-R-A, and I no longer remember what that stood for. And that was actually um, one of the co-sponsors was Orrin Hat. So, um, you know, sometimes you know, that's one of those places where uh, we really just went to his office to to uh, express our gratitude for him co-sponsoring a bill that was, um, you know, kind of a positive movement. It was a national um, bill, uh, positive movement, you know, towards uh, substance use treatment monies. Um, and it had a, a lot of different components to it. So, you know, that's kind of one of those places that we, you know, there's a lot of, you know, all politics aside, it's like where do people agree change needs to occur, um, you know, where are the places that we agree? How can we start from there and and then work our way to the the other more difficult places? Yeah, I mean, I, that's got to be tough, too, because, I mean, you think of, of lobbying and you have, a, you know, a lot of big money in lobbying coming from large corporations primarily. Um, but then to be able to lobby as a, you know, a rehab facility or a, you know, a, a recovery type of group, that that's a difficult place because those are all you know, charity organizations that aren't super loaded from a charity standpoint. Yeah, and so this is, I mean, this kind of show w- what I did find when going there is, is showing that that aside aside from that being true, really people acting on a, on a uh, small group level can actually uh, really impact even national policy. I mean, this was a huge organization that, organ- I mean, there were thousands of people from all over the country that all... Um, we're on the hill at the same time, lobbying some of the same, so the same efforts. But what I also noticed, we were in, we were in um, some of our local representatives' office uh, during. It was when the Speaker of the House was had just been fired, or however you want to look at it. And they were looking, they were looking for a new one. And and uh, our our representative was one of the offices that was that was possibly happening in. And every single phone call that came in, they just, they're doing tallying. They're tallying where people are at. They're writing it down. And that's kind of goes to show that the people that record kind of what people, when you call in, it does matter. The people, you know, if you don't call in, you don't send emails, then uh, your voice won't be heard. And, and so the, you know, the squeaky wheel does get the grease even. Well, sometimes you feel like you can't impact it, but you might be surprised. We've said this a lot, calling in really does make a difference. Right. If you're calling, you know, every day, every few hours, you know, eventually they're going to listen to you and they, right. they might not do anything, but they're, they're going to actually listen because they want you to stop calling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so emails are easy to right. just, you know, disregard, but, but when the phone's ringing, that's, that's a lot harder to deal with. So. Right. Um, okay. So, um, you know, like we said, a, a lot of a lot of people in the recovery world, um, a lot of people that that help others have gone through substance abuse problems of their own, have gone through addictions of their own. Is that a place that you came from, 
or do you come from you know a different world? Um, I, it is a world I came from. I I grew up in a very um, kind of an optimal childhood, so I grew up pretty in a pretty well-off situation. Um, age fourteen, I believe. Uh, fourteen is when my father died, and that's kind of where things really took a turn for me. And so, kind of went from having everything to being um, using drugs every day for you know ten or eleven years, becoming homeless, getting involved in gangs. Um, so, kind of a really large spectrum for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I said, you know, a lot of individuals uh, grew up in a lot tougher circumstances than I did. I I still found myself to the same in the same place, if not worse than many. And I think that's that's the thing that sometimes people miss about substance use, or or even as it relates to you know getting involved in the criminal justice system. It really can take anyone from any part of the society and 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 send them to a place you would have never thought that they would end up. Um, so so yeah, I, I I was in I'm in long term recovery. Uh, It'll be coming up on 12 years in September. It'll be 12 years. Um, That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. So, and you said you were homeless at one point during that? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot. Of, so, about five years I was, I guess, technically homeless during five years. I mean, kind of stayed in a lot of motels, lived on the streets part of the time, staying in garages, um, kind of just vagrant, depending on wherever, depending on, yeah, wherever it was. A lot of, you know, kind of doing the the really crummy State Street North Temple Motel thing for a couple of those years, um, eventually getting kicked out of the majority of those. And um, that, you know, that's kind of where the, that's kind of the, almost, almost say the lowest end of where you can get is, you know, really terrible things happening in most of those places. So So don't stay at those places. I I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) (laughs) Not worth the free Wi-Fi. (laughs) I don't think most of them have free (laughs) Wi-Fi. They might have cable TV, <laughs> air quotes that you can't see. Um, so how did, I mean, are, are you okay telling that story? How, how did you come out of that? Because that is a, that's a really tough place. Homelessness, you know, being involved in, in the criminal world, being addicted to substances. That's a really tough place for people to get out of, even if they have a desire to get out of sometimes. Yeah, I mean, for me... Uh... I mean, a lot. So it's a common question, you know, kind of what was like the breakthrough moment. I don't know that any one moment was the breakthrough moment for me. Uh, you know, earlier interventions, and this is kind of the the point is it doesn't have to get that bad before someone can make a change. But once I kind of got to the point at the end where I was at, it would have taken significant uh, change or significant intervention to occur at that point. Um, so I kind of in and out of jail a lot for a couple of years, um, never for any lengthy period of time, once for 35 days, kind of my body healed a lot at that point and, but not enough to, to do the deal. Um, and I finally got arrested, um, and kind of had a lot of different court things going on and, and I got sentenced to a year and, you know, at the end of the day, I did seven and a half months in jail, um, did treatment in jail. And I think it's more, it was more, that was the window of opportunity. There were still two, two roads or many roads rather, but multiple roads to take at that point. But things had progressed so far that now that finally gave me um, a window of opportunity. You know, I had drugs out of my body long enough that my body and mind healed long enough to have a choice, you know, because, you know, when you get kind of so far in it and you're using drugs every day for so, so long, um, 
it's not that you're not responsible for what you do, but the, the choice aspect is, is a little bit, um, out of it at that point. And so, yeah, so spending that much time in jail, um, the treatment in jail was helpful. Um, I wouldn't say that's all of it, but, um, it's definitely good to be in a section of the jail right before you release where you're, you know, it's a little bit more positive. There's not fights happening like other sections of the jail and, and you're, uh, generally working on positive things and then being released back in the community. That's a, you know, that's a huge difference than other places. I, I think the only real moment in the jail that I can really recall was, was at one point just kind of, you know, sitting by the door and we're all, you know, we're all locked down, uh, for whatever reason and just thinking, kind of thinking of it in a more like, uh, abstract way, just thinking, man, we're all just kind of, um, we're like part of a, you know, I think of the, the world or society is like a tribe and we're just, we've all kind of been rejected from the tribe or temporarily because we've been seen, you know, we're now not seen fit to hang out with everyone else. And that's pretty terrible in a sense that, you know, it's so bad that they have to put us in cages for, for a significant period of time. Now I, I remember that moment still after all these years, just thinking this, you know, this is pretty bad. I've been, uh, put in a cage and I kind of, for me, I kind of deserved it. You know, I, a lot of people are getting longer sentences than I think are helpful. But for me, like, I was definitely where I belonged. So it just gotten to that point. So you get out of jail then, uh, and you, you, I mean, you said you had your second master's degree now. So do you go from jail right into school or how did that yeah. kind of transition for yeah, you? Yeah, I did. So, um, what, you know, one of the things in the treatment center, you know, the treatment that I did in jail is, you know, what, what are your kind of short term, medium term goals? You know, just kind of general goal setting stuff. And one of my goals, um, was to get enrolled at the community college within a month or whatever. Um, get a boxing match within a couple of months because I'd boxed a lot. That was kind of the only positive thing I had done the whole time I used uh, drugs and get a job. Like, like those were my three main things. You know, those, those were all things that were feasible to do pretty quickly and that I, I thought would make a difference. And, and I did accomplish all three things. I, I, um, and some things fell in place, right? I got out in time just to register for summer. I cleaned out my mom's garage kind of. Um, to start helping out immediately. Those were goals of mine to start helping try to clean up some of the destruction I'd caused. And the guy who came to haul off all the junk, um, noticed all the work and ended up hiring me and he worked on my school schedule. So that kind of just fell in place perfectly. I mean, I was going to outpatient treatment and that helped me, you know, pay for that, pay for some spending money. And he worked around my school. Um, and I got a boxing match within a couple months. So I was back in the gym, staying active. So kind of, you know, all, all things, some things fell together. A lot of it was my own work and then luck work. You know, those were the things that got me going. And, and first in school, just, I was just eating it up. It was, you know, I've always liked to learn. I did really well in schools, always in advanced programs when I was young. And, um, it'd been a while since I'd done anything that, you know, productive. And, um, you got, I also have to understand that I was living on the streets kind of during the real big, technology boom like i didn't even know how to use a flash drive i had never used an email like that it all kind of happened while i was homeless and so there was a learning curve for me there um but i like i was i was loving it and school was awesome and so um and it was kind of it was my first semester that that kind of led me as a sociology class i found really interesting and 
and that kind of you know I had some thoughts when I, while I was in jail about thinking hey I want to I want to maybe do this do this kind of line of work something to this you know it's got to be something I love I'm not a person that could just uh, labor away doing something I don't like all day and that that's kind of where the vision started. So are you still boxing then? Um, yeah, so I uh, I work out every day I, and I volunteer. Um, every day at a, at a gym in South Jordan. Um, and I was, I haven't fought for a few years. I was supposed to have a professional fight in December that fell through. So we'll, it's kind of up in the air. I'm, ge- I'm uh-huh. getting there. I just turned 35 <laughs> two weeks ago. So, so it's a, it's a yes, it's still there possibly, but <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's going, going soon. It's a good outlet for energy, yeah. you know, even even if you're not actually fighting right. on, on a regular basis. So. Just boxes. That's how Aaron and I met. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> he, was, he was one of our coaches. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I just I knew that Aaron had such an amazing story, and and I just you know when when you're in front of a bag and they're yelling at you to do burpees, there's not, there's not time to talk about being an author or having two master's degrees, you know. So that's why we brought you here. So you work with Dash then? Uh, no, I well, I used to work there. Um, oh. I don't work there anymore. But gotcha. yeah, that's where that's where we had met, and but now work at um, kind of a, a more traditional boxing gym. Gotcha. I, I volunteer at rather. Very Is that cool. the one that's by the equestrian field? Yep, yep. Nice. Uh, the Fulmer's gym. So. I found that by accident one day. I was like, oh hey, that's where that's oh, at. off of uh, 114th, right? Yep, yep. like 27th. Yeah. Uh-huh. I drive that way a lot for my kids. <laughs> you won't have to anymore. No. Thank so, you. author. Let's talk about that. Way to just do not, the transition. Is, right is, that what you were, is that what you were going for? Or did I jump That's where I was you going. So. Book. You wrote a book, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. like, author? That's like it really. <laughs> I don't just know what kind of transition that was. You're like, so, author. So, sometime, <laughs> let's see. So, I, I was. It was during during my I was working on a bachelor's degree uh, in social work, um, and I was I would I worked full time at a place called First Step House, uh, and then I worked part time at the Department of Psychiatry at the U, running these uh, pre treatment support groups. and And uh, this this I had thought about the idea before, you know. It was, it's, it, there's multiple parts of it, like writing your story, sharing your story. There's a th- therapeutic aspect to it, and I don't know, it just seemed just like trying to. Do something bigger, get get it out there. Um, and an individual in group that was not a very fun person to have in group was, it, to be honest with you, I tell the story a lot. Is kind of just going off about groups. It's like, ah, oh, we could all make millions of dollars writing books. We're all, you know, awesome. And he's just kind of really just stirring up the group, and he wasn't real pleasant to have in group. But it was kind. Of, it is interesting because that that group is what kind of triggered me to write the book or to get going on what I had thought of before, I guess, and. So I started pretty much immediately, and um, once I started, I couldn't stop. So uh, I had the rough draft of the book done in, in a month. Um, I was just, it was like, once it started coming out of me, it couldn't, I kind of couldn't stop, and it was kind of keeping me up weird hours of the night. And uh, so I had the rough draft done about a, just over a month, and then I submitted it to uh, some a colleague of mine at the, at the college and to to do the editorial work. And it was interesting because there were some other things kind of going on in my life at that point, and um, sort of getting that out of me was cathartic in nature. It, that was therapeutic because um, I'd never shared, you know, so, so many details, I guess, with um, 
anyone except for people that might have been there during the time periods that, you know, these things were happening. But there were some pretty personal things in there that I really hadn't shared with anyone. And so it was, it made me very anxious, but it was also, it was like I finally got some of it out, um, out of me. And, and it, it would kind of change my life in that regard. Um, and then later on, I mean, over the course of all the years, the book has opened up a lot of opportunities for me as far as speaking opportunities. I've, I've donated, you know, hundreds or thousands of books to, um, a lot, you know, a lot of like even, uh, adolescents who are incarcerated. Um, I do a boxing thing once a week with some girls that are incarcerated, um, and got to get to speak about that, donate books. Um, got to do a lot of cool things as a result of, of the book. So it kind of, um, act as sort of a catalyst for many opportunities to come. What's the book called? The lengthy title. <laughs> it's called a, a synchronous memoir of addiction and recovery. So it's sort of this synchronous, you know, it's just sort of themed around, um, the things that are connected in ways that maybe have meaning or, you know, sort of a belief in, you know, Car Carl Jung is the, you know, talks about synchronicity and, and sort of this connection that occurs that um, can be measured by science, not necessarily explained by science and where, where events are um, most definitely connected and things are happening and, and there seems to be a broader meaning or um, which is more than by chance. And, and sort of the, the way the, the book is kind of laid out talks about how some of those things occurred throughout uh, the substance use, but then, and maybe even more so in the recovery, like the, the way certain things kind of happened and played out. So, Did you self-publish or did you put it through a, a distributor of some sort? Both. So I self-published for two years and then I was later picked up by a, um, a publisher. Um, and that was, that was a terrible mistake. Um, and, that, <laughs> and now I'm no longer with that. I'm no longer with them. So now I'm just uh, self-published again. Um, as of like a few months ago, publishers are like uh, record companies, I think. <laughs> yeah, ways. but we're in such like a great day and age that self-publishing—it's easier than ever. Yeah, it's fantastic, and especially if you know the internet now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see another book in your future? Um, I actually had many lined up to write, um, and I've had no. It was actually a lot of work with um. Very, it's a, there's a ceiling on the, on the, uh, book industry that's really hard to break through. Um, and it, it, the, it was a really discouraging process, but I've done a lot of writing and I guess I write a lot of my job is what made it hard. I'm finally at a place now, particularly where I work, where I'm able to, to have some time and ability to write a little bit more. And so I have, I have a couple things that I meant to do. One of them was a life skills workbook that I pretty much used all the material for that and just applied it to the curriculum I, um, created at the, the, the at Inspire Recovery. And then the other is a book, uh, it's going to have something to do with connection and sort of the way, the ways in which, um, everything's connected and how psychopathology or so mental health issues, um, are a broader, problem of everything from environment to sort of culture, meaning, um, you know, there's a lot of research that shows that the pollution in our air really impacts um, physical and mental health, but also the way in which we do things in society are also very connected to um, poor health outcomes. You know, we live in a 
in a really busy, busy, fast world, and we're probably not wired to do things the way that we're meant to. We um, have a lot of, well, we especially nowadays appear to have a lot of hate um, and not lack up here. of. Con- oh, yeah. There is a lot of a lot hate. of hate, <laughs> lack of connection, even the internet and how that's kind of taking away from human connection and. Um, and I probably use it more than the average person, but you know, our phones and we're all kind of, uh, disconnected and walking around like a, yeah, a we're, true, we're, true we're zombie apocalypse. Yeah, we're <laughs> online. We're right. information at our fingertips. If you look at the, the younger generation, I think you, you see that. I mean, our daughters get on them to answer <laughs> the damn phone. Right. I, tell my, I tell my kids I went through all of college without the internet. I didn't have Google. I wrote all my papers. Yeah. I just think I'm old. Every time I'm on adventures, <laughs> oh, I always think, what, what, like, what do people do? I'm, I would like to think I'm smart enough now to handle an emergency, like if my car were to break down or something, but I feel that society now would panic because if their phones weren't working and they broke down on the side of the road, like they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. You just walk. No, I really think people would panic. <laughs> I've I've done that before. I've walked from a place on the freeway yes, to go. But you're get smarter gas. than the average societal member right now. This is Remember true. what Aaron was just talking about? This is true. <laughs> my daughters, my daughters still don't understand checking their oil on their cars. So, I mean, if you get them an app that tells them when to do it, they might. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't well, you invent like, that for me? Like, I asked them to send me something that they got emailed to help them with something. So they'll take a picture of the email on Screenshot their phone. of the email. And text <laughs> and me text the it. picture. I'm like, there's a link in there that I'm not going to fucking type in because it's like XG52. it's like a plus symbol. Yeah, size because like, <laughs> now it's like the size of your phone screen and you have to just. Like, why didn't you just hit forward on the email? You have my email address. <laughs> it's not. So I, I get it. I get it. So you have then, because you, you've been there, you were there as a youth, you have you have a different perspective than a lot of people do when it comes to homelessness, uh, crime, uh, addiction. Um, talk about that a little bit, because we, we talk on this show a lot about the homeless situation in, in Utah, because it is, it's really bad, especially when you get down into to Rio Grande, and all three of those things are very, very prevalent down there. Right, so I was at Rio Grande over the weekend attempting to, I don't lack of a better word, kind of create an intervention, find someone in the first place. But the situation there has always been bad or in that kind of area, but it's really increased in the last, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think even the last five years in the kind of lines of work, I, you know, at one point, uh, you know, different jobs I've had in the last five or ten years, it's it's really increased there. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's an interesting problem because, um, I would argue that most of the majority of that population probably, um, requires services, interventions, social support, like, you know, structural change. Um, there are, and then keep in mind, and I always, you know, there, there's a different, um, culture to you know there's a homeless population culture that doesn't always um get the attention or respect it deserves some people choose to be homeless and and there's a lot of judgment about that but i think um people need to recognize and respect that 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 is the case but i i would say if if um outside of 
um, people not having the right services, people having substance use issues, mental health issues, or other barriers that um, do not allow them to get the be at the place they want to be in society, for lack of a better way to say it, there wouldn't there would be very few homeless people if those barriers were all sort of magically lifted. So I think you know it's a it's a structural issue, but um, and there's a lot you know there's obviously a lot of controversy with all the different things that are going on and what doesn't seem to be humane and some of it most definitely is not and and also like but you also have to admit like you walk down there and it's not a necessarily doesn't feel like a super safe place to be um if you walk down six west uh you know i don't i tell people don't go down six west um you know by yourself that's why i was there is to say like i'm I'm comfortable being you know being there but i would you know i wouldn't recommend it um and, you know, it shouldn't be like that. And, and also people shouldn't, um, be suffering there if they don't choose to be, I guess. Or, you know, and, and once again, not everyone's suffering because they're homeless and not everyone, um, is as bad off as we portray them to be necessarily. Um, but, but yes, I mean, I guess I have a, a somewhat unique perspective, but I also kind of, and this is kind of in, in the substance use treatment world, there's a lot of, uh, you know, clients and, and even people that work in the field in recovery, you know, we do have a, a, a certain perspective maybe because we come from there, but I also kind of playing devil's advocate. Uh, I usually encourage both people in recovery and people in treatment to recognize that everyone has the capacity to be of assistance to each other. My story is so far different than the guy next to me's story that in that way we are, we are not at all alike. And in the same way that a person that has never struggled with substance use issues has had many, many difficult times, trials, and their ability to be of assistance is very great, right? So, I mean, so, yes, it's true, and no, it's not, all at the same, all at the same time, I think. What do you think about the, the, the changes that the, the state and really Salt Lake County are making to the homeless shelters, splitting them up, moving them around? Yeah. So you can be honest. I almost, yeah, no, 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 no. I almost, uh, I interviewed for a Salt Lake city job. Um, a homeless outreach coordinator would have walked right in the middle of that, that mess. Um, knowingly that's what's worse, but, um, I don't know. So I, I think some of it makes sense, but some of it doesn't feel good. I, I, I get it. If you live in certain communities and the truth, the truth is I, I, you know, I'm a single father. I chose a, community that's above my pay grade um because it's if it was just me i'd probably live a little bit more anywhere but it's not just me and i choose a certain area because there's less crime less drugs like and so i I get people's concern you know to be fair like looking at both sides but i think the the idea to split the homeless shelters, you know, there's evidence behind some of it. Like you don't just mix all populations together. You you put like families should be separate for just obvious reasons. Um, and f- I mean, there's a lot of families in that downtown shelter. They have the family shelter separate now, which is good. But there's still families in the downtown shelter. And and let's be honest, I mean, it's um, people are are hurt and stabbed down there very frequently, and lots of drugs, and so. Is that a good place? No, it's not. You know, that's like a good place for families. And also, you know, it's no different than substance use treatment. We we put people that have different needs and different risks should not be in the same groups even. Um, some, you know, sometimes, and that's what literature and research shows. And it's kind of, you know, it's easier to 
more effectively manage the population, deliver services, um, if you kind of break people into their neat, in their neat area. And then, and then, and also to not have all the whole congregation in one area, you know, you kind of split it up and deliver services more effectively. Um, but I get it, you know, I mean, but, but I think, you know, this kind of goes back to the comment a minute ago. I mean, the, the town hall in, was it West Jordan or Riverton? I mean, that was, that was Draper. worse. Draper. <coughs> Draper. That was worse, worse than Jason Chaffetz town hall. And that, was <laughs> that, was too, that was, that was, that was terrible. Um, and I, that, like I said, I, I get it to an extent. Like I get, um, there's a lot of aspects that shouldn't be that way, but they are that way. If you own a home there and a homeless shelter is placed there, it shouldn't be that way, but your the value of houses in the area will go down. And if you invested your life savings in a house, that yeah, might bug you. It might bug you because that wasn't there when you bought a house. Like So it makes sense, but that kind of shows just the pure level of hate. And not, not to say like that, those certain individuals, but just saying the hate that's sort of accumulated and, and delivered to all of us through fear, lack of understanding. I'd say lack of understanding. Right, lack yeah. of understanding. That's probably got yeah. more to do with it than anything else. Yeah, and I, and I think people, if, bigger picture, people don't understand. It really doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. If the greater city or greater culture is doing is more healthy, then that will positively impact your neighborhood, even if you're in the nicest neighborhood. Like, like crime spreads everywhere, um, crime drug whatever whatever you think think is going on like if the if the people at sort of the bottom you know socioeconomic um of the socioeconomic you know kind of class are doing better than everyone's doing better is my right. view i don't know that everyone shares that view but i but that's kind of the way i think like people if people are healthier at the bottom we're we're all like a big organism right. I, I think as a culture and well you know talking about how society Last year, there was the two boys in Park City who died from the drug overdose. Right. Pink. The pink. So the, the point being, no community is immune. Well, I live in Kearns, and nothing bad has ever happened to me here. So, like, <laughs> it's like West Stabbington is what we call it. I, no, that's I've lived West... on the west side my whole life, and nothing bad has ever happened. So it's not... It, some of it is that. Some of it is just... Stereotype. Like, I, feel like yeah. if they, I feel like if they had... M- the media hadn't made such a big deal about it as a homeless shelter and actually used the term resource centers, I think that people's perspective would have been a little bit different. And I kind of understand right. the ones, you know, that are more directed toward the, I don't know. Like, if there was a family shelter around here, I wouldn't care. If there was a women, battered women's shelter, it wouldn't bother me. But I, I do tend to have a bias toward that, that single more criminal element where I try not to, I don't want to, but I would tend to think, well, I have teenage daughters that are walking to the bus station that are standing there next to somebody who there might be somebody who's doing really well and doing what they're supposed to do and going through the program and trying really hard. And somebody who's just like, well, there's an opportunity. Right. And, and so like, I, I mean, I do, I understand some of it, but I, I at least try not to be so hate-filled that if they were to put one by me, would I worry? Yeah. But at the same time, it's got to go somewhere. And as a community, you were talking about an organism. If you don't take care of the sick parts, you just continually 
get sicker and more unhealthy and we continue to have more sick parts. Well, I, th- I, I think personally the, the biggest positive from the change, it's a lot like you said, is, is specializing some of the places, but it's creating smaller areas. Part of the problem specifically with the Rio Grande area is everything's right there. The soup kitchen, a 1,500-bed homeless shelter, the 4th Street Clinic, Pioneer Park. (laughs) I mean, Pioneer Park. The bathrooms. I mean, truthfully, Pioneer Park is a result. The the feeling of Pioneer Park is a result of everything being right there across the street, right in that that same little, like, couple-block radius. Right. The problem is when you put 1,500 homeless people there and whatever problems they have, you know, you invite a criminal element that's not homeless. You invite people to feed off of that that problem, and when you have a shelter that's two hundred and fifty beds, three hundred beds, you don't get near the the same sort of result. Well, and it's hard, like Aaron was saying, that there is a certain amount of population that choose to be homeless. I mean, I've shared this with my brother was that person, and he, you know, our concern was the other people that were gonna feed off of him and you know, infiltrate him in some way that he shouldn't be. And, you know, that's, I'm sure that's a huge concern in the back of their minds as well, is how do you, how do you choose that lifestyle without being infiltrated? I have a question about that. So the people that choose to be homeless, is that really a healthy mind making that decision though, for the most part? That's kind of what I'm saying is like, I mean, really we all, I, I would argue that, you know, we all have the right to do that if we want. Um, most of us though, have a hard time making sense of that, why why that would be. Um, then that's kind of what I'm saying. If you eliminate, you know, most uh, mental health barriers that exist and most substance use issues and sort of crime element, there wouldn't – the amount of people that um, – chose to be homeless would be very few in my mind if resources existed that that made it so everyone had an oppor- had a true opportunity like let like not like you know the meritocracy like we all could really like just get from wherever we're at and make whatever we want out of this world like that's nonsense if everyone had true opportunities with resources i think there would be few people it would be so few that we you would hardly even notice. I mean, that that's, I get, I mean, I'm, I'm making it up. It's like, I have, you know, I know that for sure, but I do know that that element exists. And, and that's, once again, that's, that has nothing to do with the element that we should be concerned with, I yeah. guess, in my mind. I mean, the, I mean, even the way the police department, you know, some articles I've read that defines six West, particularly right. The Rio Grande areas, you know, some of the, a lot of that population that stands there all day, they're not all occupying shelter beds. There's this different population that they, they're trying to make sense of. And a lot of, and there is kind of a lot of drug using and drug selling happen, happening. And, and they're, I would say they're less concerned about the drug using, but they've got to a point that like we, we want to know who is exploiting individual, who are, who are the people who are exploiting individuals and, and it, it becomes it's difficult, right? They have a very difficult job to do when you have thousands of people down there with a multitude of issues and trying to kind of figure out um, who needs help and yeah, who needs, who needs help and who's who are the sharks and and there are sharks down there. Oh, I mean, absolutely. all day long. Do you think that use that drug use? Uh, I don't know. I this thought just crossed into my mind infiltrates into regular community because those people that 
are now, you know, Utah is known for top opioid addiction. Now nowhere to get it. Oh, guess what? All I have to do is go down to Rio Grande. I bet I can find somebody that, you know, your nice Mormon housewife that lives up in the foothills of Sandy knows where to go and it's super easy. Well, that's kind of what I was saying. Like the, the change in the last even five years, but 10 years for sure. Like what I've seen. So I used to do a lot of assessments and people that are legally involved. My office was adult probation parole. I, I worked for the U, but that, uh, that whole environment has changed. And it is that it is a, a lot of people that, um, go score there because when, when push comes to shove, I mean, your body needs opiates, uh, uh, you know, when you're withdrawing. And, and that is a place that everybody knows to go. And, yeah, countless people that, I'm going to say don't belong there because who really belongs, you know, on the side of, you know, the street or, the, you know, it's referred to the block. Um, buying, buying, you know, black tower heroin. I mean, it, none of us should be doing that, right? <laughs> but, but. But even, you know, the individual, I said I was there this, this last weekend, sort of, you know, to try to help, um, figure something out for someone from a treatment end. Um, they would be part of a, they would come from a place, um, in a different part of the, our community that you wouldn't expect them to be, um, on Six West. And so many others, uh, it's the same thing. They, it's not their, it, it doesn't fit with them, but, but yes, that is where you can go, um, to get, heroin all day every day and that's like a pretty huge problem i mean it 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 it, it compares to like skid row I mean, I mean it really it looks we when i go down there i mean it's just it's there's just trash and tents and and people struggling and people uh you know and and i don't uh, all judgment aside, I mean, there appears to be a significant loss, lack of resources or inability to deal with this in a meaningful way. You've lobbied before in D.C. You know, how do you how do you put your feet in here and and give a different perspective on that? Or would you? Yeah, I mean, I guess I would and I do. I think um, I would I would I would say the way th- Things of maybe I don't want I want to speak carefully, but I would say the way that I think a lot of things came down the pipeline uh, with with really drastic changes in the last I don't know year, if, shall we say, with regard to kind of the the master the master plan, the, you know, so the master plan on homelessness. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with making plans and doing all that. Um, I, I think the majority of the community, as well as members of um, local governments have felt, um, that that was, it's I don't time. know, shoved down their throat. I mean, I know, you know, I know that the South Salt Lake mayors was not happy West about Valley many things. Of course, she, uh, of course she doesn't, she's not. Um, I also don't, I also disagree in a sense. I think that's actually one of the, would be one of the most perfect locations for a, <laughs> for a shelter that Sorry. would, would impact people the, le- the least. And, and there's no tax revenue coming from that property. It's already a, a nonprofit um, that occupies the site, so nothing changes there. But but at the end of the day, you're, she's there to represent her, her people of South Salt Lake, and, and they continue, you know, to they have multiple correctional facilities on that block, juvenile correctional facilities, the jail, the mm-hmm. Oxbow jail. I mean, they, you know, you know, I mean, you can see South South Salt Lake has issues. You have. 
um, members of sort of the, the service delivery community that, um, obviously they were in on the discussions, but, um, who makes the final, final decisions or were they happy with all of the decisions? The answer is yes and no, you know? Um, so I, I think some of, some of the way that things went down happened. Uh, some people feel like very quickly, um, the very first raid on Pioneer Park. I mean, they, not the first ever, but I mean, the first of this one. sort of, yeah. of this sort of series of events that really, uh, began the cascade. I think put, um, was very well organized and, and had a lot of, uh, service delivery organizations involved. So that was like done in a lot of ways, a positive way, but also just kind of like boom, like, like, um, it can't help but feel. And I think people that I respect very closely in the community would disagree with me because they were in on being able to make decisions, but it can't help but feel like a war, right? So, um, it, it, it's, it's what would, I would feel like to me if I was a homeless person and, and hundreds of police officers ascended upon the place that I had been occupying for a long period of time, followed with, you know, social workers and all this other, you know, good stuff and sort of, you know, it sort of just disrupted my whole, um, yeah, I don't know, my whole, whole place, yeah. right? So that feels like a, it feels like a, a engagement of war in a sense. And, and at the end of it, but also like the situation, has to change. I mean, I mean, I don't know how you do it, but that's the hard part. That's yeah. been the debate right. for the last, well, forever, but last forever. year and a half. Well, and at some point, right. you just have to stop talking and start doing. And I, th- I think that it's gotten to a point where they have to start doing. They don't want it to be like you said. It's it's like Skid Row down there, right? And and it's to a point where Salt Lake doesn't want to be known for having that kind of an area. I mean, you think of sh- South Side of Chicago. Right? What are they known for? The projects, gangs, crack, heroin. You know, Salt Lake doesn't want that to happen here to be known like that over the entire country. Right. I mean, it looks, and it's, once again, it shouldn't be about this primarily, but we do pretty good as far as crime, generally speaking, I think. And we, you know, it, it's not as good as it looks sometimes. I mean, it's not as good as it's said sometimes. It, it, you know, that's an area that was, uh, Regentrified, you know, in order to, to really, you know, to really represent our city. And that's not a bad thing. And, and, you know, we have a lot of, um, businesses and new, uh, condos and visitors from other places. And the Salt Lake County Sheriff is, you know, like they, the amount of resources that are used from a jail bed perspective, I mean, like none of it's working. And so I don't know that anyone's going to be all the way happy anyway anything like anything else any other complex problem but um i would i would argue um regardless uh, you know of people's rights and all these different things like like it's it's terrible and and i don't know how it got so bad um so quickly it it feels like it had it felt like it it feels like it was overnight like escalated yeah Yeah, it really escalated the last five years i mean it's just there's always been lots of people in that area but i mean the the six west area particularly it's it's totally transformed so i spend a lot of time i was even like the last three years because i used to go to a club on the on a corner down there that's not on fifth west anymore and i don't ever remember going to the parking lot or anything and feeling unsafe but i wouldn't i wouldn't know if the club right. is if the club was still there 
I'm sure it's the population influx. I mean, we've just had a population influx in general, right. and you just don't see it as much amongst the homeless community because nobody's tallying it. They're not trying to buy homes and things well, like and that. It's, and it's hard to count them. It's hard. Well, that's to what I mean. The nobody's tallying them. But I've also heard though that people are coming here because we are so accommodating to our homeless people. People are coming from out of state, just like they're going to Portland or they're going to Denver, even though they're taking things away from people in Denver. But well, speaking of that, like, what do you think of the proposition that Winder made about like a tent city, about having a formal place for people that's patrolled and monitored, like they've set up in other states and other communities where they can put their tents there and they can they can live there safely. I mean, it's more like a neighborhood. Is that something that's good or bad or well i guess going back to kind of like what are actual you know people's rights um and it might god it might make sense you know i can see why that could possibly make sense because there's only so i mean you people have a lot more rights than sometimes people understand people do have a right to occupy a lot of areas and and what would be the benefit benefit of that and I, i i guess the way i view it is no different than um, a lot of other areas in our community, even like emergency rooms, how do we use those as points of intervention? Um, and some of the, some other countries do really well, right? Like, um, what services are offered to all people and how do we really, um, okay. So, you know, we had, if you had a tent city and then, um, do we really, um, beef up resource availability to individuals? Um, cause kind of going back to what I said, like, like people would, be okay with sort of that as an option. Many people um, could benefit from, you know, I say like mental health and, and substance use issues, but not, you know, medical, medical resources, like the four street clinic is, is awesome. I used to go run groups in there and like does awesome work. And it's a small little clinic that does not have enough resources like, like most places. So how, how would resources be delivered to individuals? And, and I think, it would almost be a non-issue or non-existent over time. Like most people probably, um, given the right opportunities to, you know, most, most people have don't necessarily, there's nothing wrong. I I know, I guess that's this thing. There's nothing wrong with if you really wanted to stay outdoors and, and kind of live like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, um, I just find that most people that's not what they, what they want necessarily. So I think there would be, little need for that if the resources were there, but you can't magically fix those things overnight. I see as I get on the freeway at night, uh, by the warehouse on the, the entrance, the freeway entrance, there's a, there's a strip right there of essentially dirt and people camping. And, and I'm watching them as I'm waiting in traffic thinking that they're doing things that I do in my house. They're, you know, putting on their socks but they're doing it out they have to do it out where everybody can just sit and stare at them and then i realize i'm sitting there staring at them and it makes me feel awful but they're there on the side of the road and i'm stopped and i'm looking around and i think this like there's no privacy there's no there you like you talked about they lose that humanity and they're just treated like like i'd stare at any other thing on the side of the road cat sitting there or whatever and i think i'm just it's like i'm staring and it's like if i walked up to one of my neighbor's house and just stood outside their window and peered in right is what i'm doing i think that sucks 
Right. I mean, I guess, and that's, and that kind of ties into some of the culture. I mean, when you become a part of a certain culture and you realize the, the way in which your culture is oppressed and not treated right by, you know, in so many ways, I, that almost makes you more attached to your culture. Um, and, and whatever we're talking about, I mean, we could talk about LGBT issues, we could talk about race, ethnicity, religion, whatever it might be, right? Um, and I think it's no different there. And there's, there's also a, you know, if we take out, out sort of the exploitative members of, of whatever's going on downtown, um, my experience, you know, I've worked with a lot of homeless population and a lot of different, uh, service delivery agencies and, um, they, there's a camaraderie there, um, and uh, that th- doesn't really exist maybe amongst the rest of the rest of us that are, you know, doing our thing and and people being willing to share and do things for e- each other and share their last bit of anything. And, and so that's an interesting um, level of trust and connection that, um, you know, to be honest with you, most of the rest of us kind of suck at. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not sharing the last of this popcorn with anybody. I mean, they're y'all. It's <laughs> a lot of fucking popcorn over there. <laughs> I mean, they're they're clearly. I mean, they're they're engaging like that in in a part because they don't have necessarily what we all have every day with with the phones, you know, the computers in our pocket, and the constant connectivity to everything around us, and they're forced to communicate with. Them. People. Well, maybe, face maybe I tell people sometimes that that's another way to look at it is because you know, I've been homeless and, you know, and, and part of that's for me was, you know, being kind of, you know, strung out on drugs and I've been incarcerated. And um, there are some things that I had in jail that you could, that I just can't seem to get back out here. And there are things that I had while being homeless that are really hard when you participate in sort of general society for lack, you know, lack of a better way to say it. I, the, the lack of noise and gel and just busyness and crazy, stupid things that we have to worry about appointments and bills and this and what to buy it. Like it's not there. Um, there's a lot less stimulation and your ability to be at peace and grounded. I mean, I joke, you know, but you, you could pro, you know, I joke that there was, some of it was nice. Like I, I didn't waste my time in there. I did, you know, and I would have liked more things to do, but I read 500 pages a day, you know, when I was, in, when I was in medium security and I worked out and I walked and I, and you know, and there's a different sort of reset that your mind does. And then it just kind of gets back out and, and our world is crazy. We're just not, it's, it's running in a way that maybe it shouldn't. And, and you know, when you're homeless, some of the things I noticed was, you know, there's a level of freedom. Um, and you watch all the little busy bees around, around you that you're not a part of. And you're just, and you can't help but look at everyone else and be like, this is fucking crazy. (laughs) Like, this is crazy. Look at them, you know, scurry around, um, in their suits or in this and their cars and, you know, and so we switch perspectives. I mean, you know, who's, who's doing the, the craziest things. Exactly. And 
well, most of them aren't spending all their time on Instagram or Twitter and, and trolling Donald Trump or supporting <laughs> Donald Trump or whatever, right? Like, right? So, so it's it's hard to it's hard to know. <laughs> uh, well, Point and match. <laughs> I think we have one more question for you. We actually ask everyone this that's on the we show. We have tons more, but we'll have to have you back because yeah. there's so much part, to talk about. Um, so you've been in Utah your whole life. You're a Utah native. Um, what's what's one thing that you would tell people visiting Utah that they had to do before leaving the state? They had to do before leaving the state. Yeah, I mean, it could be, you know, visit Six West, visit Rio Grande. <laughs> no, he just told us not to I do actually that. took friends from Baltimore there. I was like, I'm just going to show you something. You could, I, well, you could. I mean, you could, you could walk, <laughs> you could walk through the temple grounds and then just, it's really not that far away. No, it's like a, it's like a mile away. You yeah. know, it's, 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 there's some similarities to Washington, D.C., you know, people in multi-thousand dollar suits and just yep. tons of homeless people everywhere. So that, that contrast is disturbing and interesting. It's, um, but I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, of course, like mountains and skiing, if people are into skiing and all that. But I, so I'm a rock hound. Um, so I, you know, go to old mines and go sift through rocks and, um, spend a lot of time doing that. And we have a pretty, uh, our geology here is, is better than many, many states for people that are into rock counting. And there's lots of old mines that you can sift through. So that's something do you have a that I do a lot. A favorite, like a favorite old mine that you've been to? Um, so Gold Hill, Gold Hill is a town. There's still people that live there. Um, you have to go through Wendover to get to it, but it's on the Utah side of the border. And that's really cool. Really desert. A lot of old, uh, head frames and, and old ruins there. And that's part of the fun too. It's like some ghost town stuff and, uh, cool pictures, desert, cool rocks, get, do some treasure hunting. And so Gold Hill is one, one of my favorite places. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere though. That's fantastic. Maybe I'll have to go out there and see it. So we did learn that gold is by far Utah's number one export. We did like, last week, yeah. Like, just smashes everything else combined. Everything else combined, and it's still bigger. It's like, a fool's gold at those mines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, where can people where can people find you? Where can people get a hold of you? How do they get in touch with? I mean, are you guys going to be taking patients right out of the gate? Do you have stuff lined up for Inspiral Recovery? Yeah, so so we'll we're we're thinking July somewhere between the beginning of July and mid July, but we're there's some people kind of already waiting to start whenever our open date is. Um, be somewhere there. So yeah, you could go to is it www.inspirorecovery.com. Um, you can as far as like my book. And I think, and there's a w- place on there to contact me directly on my website. So that's www.bryantaron.com. So B-R-Y-A-N-T-A-A-R-O-N.com. Um, you can just check out a little bit about the book there. And then there's a contact Aaron button on there. And if um, they want to train with you, they can come train with you too. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> we work, work out of the Fulmer's <laughs> Boxing Gym in, in West Jordan. It's, it's actually free. You, it's a nonprofit gym and that's a really good place. Free. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. We'll Aaron, link we'll Aaron link we'll to all this stuff face. too. So Okay. All right, Aaron. Well, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a very fun conversation and very enlightening conversation. All right, thank you. Let's do a little bit of news, 
shall we? Time for the news. So, um, a lot of stuff going on. Do you want to talk about your story first? Yes. Sure. So, speaking of your neck of the woods. Yeah, my neck of the woods has a lot of awesomeness that happens. So, we have a local Facebook page for our city, which I'm sure a lot of cities have. City of Weather Vortex USA? Yes. Weather Vortex USA. That'd be a cool city name. Anyways, this amazing guy named Sean Reed started um, basically like a sanctuary for kestrels, which are uh, hawks, a type of hawk, um, I believe. And they've they've been um, breeding them and they've had live cameras and it's one of the few redeeming factors of that Facebook page is seeing the, the updates on what's happening. They use it for uh, research and on uh, June 9th, uh, which uh, the story just broke. So um, they just found out somebody went in and I'm not talking about like a little tiny shotgun with huge rifle shells and shot the shit out of all of these birds. Yeah, so they, they destroyed one of the boxes, right? There's a bunch of them out there. It's The, the story it's says there's like... It's gone. There's 20 boxes. Yeah, and this is just one of them, right? The, um, from my understanding, they're gone. So a mother kestrel, three chicks, and an egg, um, an unhatched egg, uh, were all killed. Um, so someone with a shotgun, not just once, but multiple times, just blew the shit out of this nesting box. Now, my guess is it was some jackass that didn't know what it was. But um, that's a big deal because kestrels are a protected species. Um, they're endangered, if I'm not mistaken, and they're federally protected. So hopefully they catch whoever did this. But, I, I mean, it's really... If no it's one tragic. saw, If no one saw, it's going to be hard to catch them. Um, but it really sucks. Yeah, don't you have to load the shells when there are fingerprints on the shells? And there is no magical fingerprint database that exists. There should be. There's not. There and there's no gun. There's no magical searchable computer searchable gun registry. In fact, it's there. illegal to have a computer computer searchable gun registry. If anybody turns anything electronic into the the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms that for gun registry, they actually have to take it out of electronic form. And dumb it down. And put it into paper files. Yeah. This is not a joke. This is legit. Like, the ATF has a a, a gun registry office, and everything is There's paper. not even a computer allowed. In the building. In the building. Like, it's illegal to bring a computer in. Because it's against the law federally for them to For them to be able to electronically search. database. Good job, NRA fuckers. Uh, speaking nationally, um, our third district, uh, the primaries, or not the primaries, but the caucuses happened. Um, the Democratic caucus apparently was a little bit of a crazy, crazy event. Uh, we've got a ton of new leadership in the state of uh, Daisy Thomas is the head of the Democratic Party. I saw that. Party. Yeah. It's so amazing. Well, and, and a lot There's of There's nobody young, over 40. That yeah, a elected. lot of young people, which is fantastic. Because, guys, we, we talk about this all the time, but that's the level that you have to go to make the change. Now that you've got a younger generation in there that's in power, they can start making changes to the rules of how the party works, how elections work. Uh, and Catherine Allen is the only Democratic candidate coming out of that caucus for the 3rd District. So Daisy Thomas has actually worked for uh, Debacus for quite a while, and I stand behind her 
a million percent. She is a fantastic lady and she and her team are going to do amazing things for getting, hopefully getting things back in order in that party because we know that it's super Yeah, so the, G- the GOP what? also had their, uh, so that's really cool for the Democrats. The GOP also had theirs um, for the seat and they came out with three candidates out of that caucus. It'll be in a primary. Um, so they are Provo Mayor John Curtis, who I think is the, uh, so first off, there's a state senator, um, uh, Deidre Henderson. Uh, there is Margaret Dayton and then, uh, Provo Mayor John Curtis. Um, uh, those are the three that had enough votes to, uh, force a primary. Hey, has, has anybody been keeping track of what's happening in Georgia today? Mm-hmm. Need to Google that. It's a big, big deal. If the Democratic Party is oh, is, oh the election in Georgia in yeah. the U.S. I thought you meant the foreign country Georgia. I was like, I didn't really. Know. No, so yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> so that's that that election actually. Um, so Georgia, the election that was down in was it Kansas? The special election in Kansas. There was a special election in Montana. Yeah, I think there were like um, four. Yeah, so those are all big deals. Uh. And the reason they're big deals is because they're traditionally very, very Republican places that Democrats are are not only putting it's like up 10 a fight. o'clock back there. I better Google that. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, Democrats are, are not only putting up a fight, but in areas polling to potentially win those those seats. And, and that's that would be like our third district going to a Democrat. A very, very traditionally Republican district that's been gerrymandered to, to so all twice shit. in Utah's history has it been Democratic twice only twice. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but but uh, this is interesting because um, so Kathy Allen, you know, she raised that huge amount of money, um, which is which is far and above what what these guys have probably raised to date, um, and there's some serious problems in the Utah Republican Party. There's some serious divide. So there's a primary that they're going to go through. Uh, and then um, they're going to have to face Kathy Allen in November. Now, interestingly enough, the state legislature is pretty pissed about this. Uh, Greg Hughes is just up in arms over Herbert calling a special election. What they wanted to happen is for the con- for Congress to appoint the representative to take Chavitt's spot. Uh, instead, there will be a special election in November, just like every other election time, uh, and that person will serve for one year before having to go to re-election. He was quoted as saying, Herbert took the low road. Yeah, so, but essentially, you know, he can he can complain all he wants, but there's not a law in place to stop that. So he thinks that the executive branch, that Herbert, is kind of overstepping his bounds by requiring a special election, but the executive branch is in charge of the election process. And if there's no law dictating which route that goes, he has the right to do that regardless of what the Congress wants. So if this, if this, if state Congress wants to change that moving down, which, which they may try to do uh, in the next session, um, it's too late for this, but that's what they'll have to do. They'll actually have to create, uh, I'm guessing it's probably a constitutional amendment. I assume so. Um, I would assume it's part of the Utah constitution. I, I don't know. I haven't really read that far into to what it is, but I would assume they're going to have to do that in order to, to change that process. So, Basically, I think their fear is, uh, and Herbert, you know, for, for all I bitch about Herbert, he is a fairly moderate Republican in a lot of ways, and this is one of the ways. He said, you know, no, people have the right to vote for who's going to represent them, and they should be able to vote because it's not a situation where we don't have that capability. Um, 
So instead, what will happen, uh, you know, what what the Republican Congress wants to do here is appoint a Republican so that they can have him in office for a year and a half. And then he can be in. incumbent. Then he can be incumbent. It's an easier race to win as an incumbent coming into that, that, that election cycle in 2018. Uh, and uh, they're just not going to get that. And so there's there's a chance. It's a snowball's chance in hell probably because it's <laughs> Provo. That a Democrat could take it. But it's possible. I mean, there's some hope there. And some of these other races are pointing to potential changes there because people are not happy. Uh, I mean, clearly people were not happy with Chaffetz in that district. So um, anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I did want to talk about, uh, you know, we've got time. Uh, I did want to talk about, um, so we talked about that guy out in West Jordan that uh, had that toy factory that was finally Tiny Tim's Toy Factory where he was making all those toys, uh, the wooden toys, handmade, and donating them all. And he was he was having trouble paying his rent essentially because prices have gone up and he's on a fixed income and he's donating all this time and most materials are donated. Well, he was going to go out of business and they ran that story, I think, in a bunch of outlets. KSL, I think Salt Lake Trib ran it. Um well, he has now gotten people to step up to the plate as a result of that story, and he has funded at least for the next year. So he's going to keep going. Uh, he's got some donors that are paying his rent. Um, he's going to try and break his goal. Uh, he had a he has a goal of eighty five thousand this year, which is a record for him. Toys. So really cool. Uh, really cool that people have stepped up to to help keep him around, help keep the thing going. Um, because it really was just a, a money thing for him. He just couldn't keep doing it because he couldn't afford it, uh, mostly the space that he uses. So really awesome stuff. Um, and then uh, what's, this, what's this one, Jess? Uh, the, it's about the people in the jail system and so on getting uh, funding and funding for uh, mental health, the mental health program. Sorry, the the title didn't print out because you know what, KSL stuff prints out really crappy. Yeah, I'm sorry, I know it does, but uh, I don't get ads that kill my browser like on the Trib site. Um, you I didn't s- send this; I was the one that found this. I know, so there's know. no reason to be sorry. I'm so, well, because I get a lot. You know, I I read a lot of news out of KSL. I read a lot out of honestly the Deseret News. I try to read the Tribune until it breaks my phone in the morning. Um, but uh, yeah. So basically, this settlement, um, c- there was a lawsuit that was filed uh, two years ago, and um, the Disability Law Center and the U- Utah Department of Human Services came to an agreement this uh, last Monday, it would have been, um, that the lawsuit said that inmates with mental illnesses um, are waiting in jail for an average of three to six months without treatment. And those are considered long wait times compared to other wait times in the Western states. And so under the settlement, the state would re- would be required to reduce the wait time for forensic treatment for people found incompetent to 60 days within six months of court approval. And then after a year, that time would go down to 30 years. 18 months would go down to 14 days. Yeah, so it goes from 60 days to 30 days to 18 to 14. Yeah, so they're also required to invest in solutions for the wait list. And uh, it also outlies, outlines plans for the Utah State Hospital to create and operate uh, 3 million, 
$3 million jail-based unit in Salt Lake County. So and that was a settlement between the Disability Law Center and the Utah Department of Human Services. Yes, that's so, correct. That's a big deal. Uh, and we talked, I mean, you guys you guys heard us talk a lot with, with uh, Aaron. Um, right. And, and, and Well, this lawsuit alleged that mentally um, mentally ill inmates were waiting months and they were deprived to their right of speedy trials. So hopefully this will assist in the process a little bit quicker. Yeah, you know, so do you guys watch Full Frontal at all? Samantha B. Full Frontal. So if you're not watching, should watch that. if you're not watching that, if you liked John Stewart, if you like John Oliver, if you like Trevor Noah, uh, DVR. I don't have a DVR. We've already discussed this. <laughs> I just had this discussion no, 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 with my no. father do you this have weekend the too. I'm sure they're online on TBS. If you just go to TBS.com. You're a liar. <laughs> you did not just look me in the face and lie to me. That's messed up. Uh, no, I don't read but, either. But I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can watch the episodes online. But um, yes, and all that extra time that I have. Yeah, yeah, just put it on in the background while you're making a cake. That's legit. Like we watch it when we're eating dinner, like at mm-hmm. the counter at eight thirty, nine o'clock these days. Yes, because you know I get home at eight thirty, and um, Chris is like just coming up the stairs from the cave. And yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, so she. Did a thing, um, this maybe was a couple of weeks ago, um, but the, I've said this for a long time. I thought it was just last week. I don't know. doesn't matter. Anyway. anyway, basically, the number of people that are incarcerated for um, field tests on drugs that don't come back with proper lab work or that don't get a proper you know defense attorney, that's... This falls into that same category of these these people aren't getting fair trials. They're not getting speedy trials. They're sitting in jail for months and and don't don't have you know legal counsel that's moving things along because they haven't got their competency hearings. So it, it's a big deal to get these guys seen, get them you know proper defenses, and and get them to trial so that they can either be found guilty or innocent. Um, and hopefully correctly one way or the other. Um, but as a, as a PSA, don't let cops search your car. <laughs> Just say no to cops searching like, your car. Because I, 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 I'm, I'm not ashamed of this. I said I'm ashamed, but I'm not really ashamed. I like white trash TV. I like watching cops. I love live PD. You can't be ashamed. We talk about this on the yeah. podcast all the time. I love watching live PD. It's one of my favorite new shows. Friday night when I'm not doing anything and, or after I've come home because it's on until like freaking two in the morning, I watch live PD and every time they pull someone over and the person gives them the consent to search their car. He starts like, screaming at them. It's really you annoying. You are a fucking idiot. I don't care if you don't have anything to worry about when the cops search your car. One, shit that's on your floorboard will test positive for all kinds of drugs. Because if you walked somewhere... it's not. It doesn't even have to actually be drugs. It could be fucking like laundry detergent that's spilled in, in the floorboard of your car. Or sugar. And it can go positive on those field tests. And you need real labs to come back with that. But even bigger... So for instance... They sell the powdered sugar in the back of my car. And be like, <laughs> Brie has happens. a Brie has a prescription to a controlled substance. My daughter, for a long time, had prescribed ADHD medication. We carried it in the car in a just pill like bottle one or two, just in the center case. console. No prescription label. That's illegal. That's a felony. You troublemaker. Yeah, no. And and look, don't think about it. I don't have anything to hide. She's got a real prescription for it. It's at home. Get pulled over. 
They search your car because they're in a bad mood, whatever. They can charge you with that. And unless you get a good defense attorney, you're going to get either fine community service or likely jail time. But they were talking about all the different things that field tests find for positive. I mean, I yeah. can't even remember. Them. Like there hot cocoa so and, and sugar. And and they would get, the guy would be listing it and he would get to the one point and the person interviewing him would say, okay, and then he'd be like, and then he'd start listing. And these are just things that they found that were testing positive for narcotics in the field test kits that when the lab tested them showed that they clearly weren't narcotics. And especially if you have like a used car, like they clean them and you, you know, especially if you get them from a dealer or whatever, they take care of them and you get them and it feels all new and stuff, but you never know what was in there at some point in time that, and, and just walking around on the ground, like they talk about money and the, dr- the drugs that are on money. All U.S. money has drugs. How do we get on this topic for mental illness? No, we, we were talking about people being I'm incarcerated. incarcerated. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, that's just my tangent. I don't know. It's, it's a pet that. peeve of mine. Every time I see it, uh, don't let fucking police search your you car. You have to take your you have to take the sobriety test, but you don't have to let them search your car. Nope, you can say no, and they can bring a drug dog out, and that drug dog can hit on your car, and then they <laughs> I have you said a drug bug. And then they can have probable cause to search your car that you can fucking get thrown out in court if you have a good attorney. But just fucking say no. On, like, make them waste the time. Make them waste the resources to call in a drug dog to search your car. Don't ever give them consent. That's the one that has big beetles, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, it's a pet peeve of mine. It's been a pet peeve of mine for years since I used to work. And he yells work. at the TV every time it happens. I just, they're so stupid. Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. People are dumb. It's because Speaking people, of drugs, it's because people look don't at this. this. Utah Brewers. It is a drug. By the way, alcohol <laughs> is a drug. For all you that are fucking curious, alcohol is a drug. It's just a regulated did one. Those, like did you like that, seg- that segue? Good was, segue. Dude, it was so much better than Jeremy's in the interview. Speaking of oh, authors, this is great. Author. Authors. Author. <laughs> you author. Technically, he is. It's a noun. We weren't even close to talking about it. He was an author. So, author. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was fun. So, uh, we talk about this. Utah, as shitty as our liquor laws are, um, by the way, new liquor store, open up. Still haven't had time to go in there and get anything. Uh, we have been so A block away from busy. my house. That means it's like the anticipation will be extra like awesome. Christmas. Nah, and I'm going to get in there and just be disappointed. Cause no, it's maybe just you won't. Be, it's just you want me to be go in and giant scope things store. out for you first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, one of the things that that does, and we've talked to some of the brewers and some of the, the distillers, is it's created a culture where we have a lot of really good microbrews. A lot of them. In fact, um, the North American Beer Contest just occurred, and we earned, Utah Brewers earned 15 medals, including two gold. So there are eight winning Utah breweries. More than 1,750 beers from 252 breweries nationwide were entered. Wow. So, uh, breweries that won, the Bohemian. Uh, proper. And Proper got two gold. Cottonwood, Cottonwood Common. Red Rock. Um, Roosters in Ogden. Uh, Uinta. Yeah, so let's read off the beers, though, that, they, that they'd had. Like the so, actual okay, one. Yeah, so Bohemian had Silver 4, Cottonwood Common, and California Common, and then they got a Silver 4, their best of show IPL. Um, Proper Brewing got uh, Gold for Ragman, which is a Belgium-style IPA, uh, and a Gold for uh, Parter. 
which is a, I need to try that because uh, I usually that's like a, the Belgians. It's a Belgian, and I love a good Belgian ale. Um, Red Rock got a silver for anniversary ale. Uh, they got a bronze for Bobby Brown the Cat and a bronze for Viva La Hat. La Hat. Which pa- <laughs> apparently is like a like a almost like a a tropical style lager. So think like Pacifico, Corona, that type of of beer. That's what that is. Uh, Ro- Roja Brewing. I don't know where is that. You can Southwick City. I'll Google that. Um, they got a bronze for Thursday India Pale L and a bronze for Kensington Grand si- Grand Saison. Which I'm a big fan of the Saisons, personally. Uh, Roosters. Roosters up in Ogden. Got which, by the way, their honey weed is really good. Well, they got a silver medal for that one. It's on 30 Ken- Kensington Avenue, so it's just in oh. South Salt Lake. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I, I don't know, know where that is. I'm going to have to go down there and uh, see if they've got some beer to buy. Um, <laughs> Not for the likes of you. <laughs> so Shades of Pell Brewery in South Salt Lake got a bronze for Misconception, which is a Belgian-style IPA. Um, Uinta got a bronze for you and a Pilsner, which I've been drinking. That's 801 Pilsner, I believe. Um, Utah Brewers Cooperative, um, so Squatters Outer Darkness, which is a really good stout. Uh, Squatter Hoppy Pills, which if you like really hoppy shit, that's a great one it to is, go with. It is hoppy. And Wasatch's <laughs> Raspberry Wheat got a bronze, which is one of my favorite beers. One of my favorites, locally. too. And their new blueberry one is really good, too. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. So that is, if you need more proof, Utah has amazing beers. I mean, this is not a small competition. So this is uh, 1,750 beers and 252 breweries nationwide. That's a lot um, of beer drinking. Been going on for 21 years. But uh, for Utah to walk away with 15 medals, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's way impressive. That's way impressive. So I think that's going to do it. I think we're done. Do you guys have anything else? Please have a responsible 4th of July. I mean, we'll be back next week, and we'll, we'll be back on the week of the 4th. We will have a show on the 5th, so... Um, we're going to continue not screwing you guys over and doing clip shows or best subs or skipping weeks. We won't weeks. miss you. We won't let you. Um, and next week we have, uh, is it confirmed? Can I say it out loud? Uh, as of right now it is. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, <laughs> things can always change. Richie, Richie Stedman. Uh, we talked to his brother a few Richard weeks ago. Richard Thomas Stedman. Yep. Uh, from Radio from Hell uh, as the producer Hall, Cultural Hall Desert Star wherever you may know him from basically DJ. everything you may have had him come <laughs> sing a fucking telegram or sing a grand right. he, uh, may have yeah. de- he may have DJ'd your wedding or your cousin's wedding you've probably seen a picture of him without his teeth in um, <laughs> you know maybe follow him on Facebook anyway he'll be our and guest and if you listened week. to our show a few weeks ago you would know that his, it's his brother's fault that yeah. he has shitty teeth yeah. That's it right. is it is he got him knocked out <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> so, so we'll his to get brother's other, teeth look just fine, are, so that's rude. We are going to have to get the other side of that story. His brother looks just like him. I'm sorry. Oh, they're, I do. They're, too. they're yeah. the spit image of each other. So, um, but uh, that, that'll be fun. If you want to uh, get a hold of us. His brother was much better groomed, though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think his brother is a little bit more put together in terms of life. And like, <laughs> not that Richie has a bad life. Just I think Richie does so many things that he's... I think Richie living of out of his car rivals just living out of her car. No, I think Richie lives way more out of his car. But I can attest to that, actually, because, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so if you want to get a hold of us, it's uh, at TNU Podcast on Twitter or uh, the New Utah Podcast on Facebook, or you can go to the website, thenewutah.wordpress.com. 
Um, we'd love to uh, chat with you. We'd love to hear hear from you. If you like our stuff, please share it. Even uh, French people like our stuff. So. <laughs> That's true. Whoa. You, you know, I'm, oui, oui. I'm actually really surprised. We have, I'll have to show you guys when we're, when we're done here. We have a really big um, international listening audience. So, well, and we have Peter so who knows ever. Alex, who's coming in a few weeks. So that's exciting. Does Peter know Alex? <laughs> no, they, he was oh, joking. Did you not see that? They're both. I mean, they're both from Ireland. So <laughs> they he's, he's like, yes, I totally know him. And Did then he I, really? I, yes. I, and then I told. I don't Cass- pay attention. Sorry, I don't pay attention. I, I told you. Cassie that I mentioned it, and she's like, "You mentioned him on your podcast." I'm like, "Why? Because he's going to listen to it." He's like, <laughs> "She's like." No, probably not. I'm like, then what do you care? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yep. Yeah. So we have a, an Irish boy coming to stay with us for, he's, he's, about a week. How old? He's like 22, 21? I think he's 23. Yeah, so he's a little bit older. He's going to stay with us for a week and, uh, that'll be fun. No. no. It'll be weird. So the thing is, my birthday is, is after he's, like, it's the, the day, day that he's after leaving. He, is it the day he's leaving? I thought he was leaving the day before that. Um, so, I have to share birthday time with my daughter being heartbroken that the man that she loves is leaving again and she'll probably never see him. Like, never see him again. Or at least not for a long time because he's going to go back to Canada and then go to Ireland. Mm-hmm. So you anyway. Know. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. What, so what, what's awesome about my house is that, like, I can just walk around however I want to and this is going to be weird. I have to keep the door shut and pay attention to what I'm doing. Yeah, you'll have to put pants and Welcome panties on. Welcome to my life. Walks, I don't like this life. Brie walks around without panties on all the time. I do not. <laughs> what are you talking about? But my daughters have to be careful, too, because oftentimes oh you'll God. see them streaking with fact, hands across, boobs, running up the stairs. It's like the every, hell? every every time Sean takes a shower, because she doesn't understand that she should take a towel with her. <laughs> every time. <laughs> well, like today, before you guys got here... Uh, they're they're both standing on the stairway in panties, and I'm like, "Would you go fucking put at least some shorts on? Because we're gonna have people over in like ten minutes." Well, duh. That's what they said to me. <laughs> I didn't even think kids still said, "Well, duh." Apparently, mine do. Well, duh. Yeah. Well, that's it. <laughs> so. Uh, so does Jess. <laughs> bye.